So this morning we're going to talk about generosity, and I believe that every Christian can display a generous heart by embracing just the simple truths we're going to share with you today. The first one I think is just so obvious that it ought to just smack us all in the face. Number one is God is a generous God. God is a generous God. Now, a lot of times we don't think God of God in those terms. We think of him in love and, and holiness, and he is that, but he's also a generous God. Matter of fact, if you think about it, you'll realize that he's a radical giver. And although there are moments in our lives where he will withhold what we want, there is no real debate about the issue. Our God in heaven is a generous God. And it's because he's generous to us first that we're able to learn how to give generously towards others. Possibly the most well-known verse in the Bible is John 3.16. It's a great verse. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. It, it talks about God giving the very best that he had. Not only did he give, but he gave the best. He gave Jesus Christ. Not only if you look at that, when, he, when you look at Jesus Christ, his son, you also find that in Christ he gives us intimacy because he, he has our back. With Christ, he gives us answered prayer and his divine ear. He gives us his grace. He gives us his talents. He gives us his love. He gives us rain in the seasons. He gives us the spirit of, of Holy Spirit for comfort and guidance. He gives us every breath we take. He extends forgiveness to us that we don't deserve. He gives every hair on our head, or He gives us every hair on our head, and some of it is an increasing number, and some of it's, it's a decreasing number, but He gives us the hair on our head. He gives us every physical thing we need. Do I have to go on? God is a radical giver, He's not stingy. He gave absolutely the best gift you've ever received in your life, Jesus Christ. It's been said that God the Father is the first generous giver. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is chief of generous givers. And God the Holy Spirit is the ongoing expression of God's generosity to us. I like that. See, some of us have wrong theology about God. Some of us think that God is just way over here and he's unconcerned about us and doesn't know what's going on in our world. And if he does know what's going on in our heart, he's got this big ball bat just waiting to thump us when we mess up. And if he does give us anything, you've got to beg and plead, beg and plead, beg and plead, beg and plead until finally he just, okay, you know, and begrudgingly gives you what you ask for. The others of you have a... Have a Theology of God that says, you know, he's kind of like the cosmic Santa Claus. All you got to do is put it on your wish list and, and he just provides it for you. I'd rather think the truth is somewhere in the middle. He does answer prayer. He does say no at times. He does give us what we need. Well, let's put it this way. He gives us what we, he knows we need would be a better way to put that. God is a loving God, and his generosity flows from his loving heart, not to spoil us, but to grow us into Christ's likeness. Now, in case you're not convinced that God is a generous God, let's just kind of walk through the first several books of the, New, of the Old Testament, just the beginning of the Bible. 
And you'll see God giving things all over the place. In Genesis, uh, God gives us life and access to his creativity in chapter 1. In Exodus, he gives salvation to the captives. That's in chapter 15. In Leviticus, God gives insight to the future and appointed reasons to celebrate. Leviticus 23. In Numbers, God gives us blessings when the world is calling down curses. And he gives water for the thirsty, chapters 20 through 24. In Deuteronomy, God gives the law to protect us from ourselves, chapter 4. But he also gives us the ability to produce wealth, chapter 8. In the book of Joshua, I could go on. God gives his inheritance, and he still does. For those who follow him, chapter 11. In the book of Judges, God gives strength to his leaders, chapter 13. In the book of Ruth, God generally provide, God generously provides protection. Protection for to the foreigner and the widow, chapter 2. In first and second Samuel, God gives victory over fear and he gives honor to the broken. I'm telling you, from Genesis to Revelation, you will run smack into the generosity of God. God is a generous God. The point is, if you read the Bible in every book, you're gonna see his his generosity and if there was a way to summarize all of his generous actions to us if we were to summarize his generosity to us we would say something like this that God is ridiculously generous ridiculously generous and he just keeps on giving he keeps on loving he keeps on caring he keeps on working in your heart and life through the holy spirit of god god is a generous god there's no getting around the fact that he's persistently generous i also want you to know that giving matters to god maybe that's why it's such a source of pleasure for those who follow the lord and give generously when something matters to God, it makes a difference in our lives. And when it is central to God's character, it is central to our joy. If it is essential to God's character, then the practice of it is essential to our joy. If you want to experience God's love, then you need to be loving. If you want to experience God's righteousness, you need to be righteous. If you want to experience God's generosity, you need to be giving. So we know that generosity is important to God in heaven. And you've got to take the aspects of God's nature and we've got to embed them to our everyday life. And here's what you've got to embed into your everyday life, that God is generous. Say it with me. God is generous. Now, the second thing that you need to embed in your heart, not only is that God is generous, but the gospel is a generous gospel. The gospel is a generous gospel. While you're writing that down, I'm going to take a generous swig of water. Because my mouth is generously dry. The gospel is a generous gospel. The gospel, if you do not know what it is, it is simply the message of God's good news about the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. How God wrapped himself up in flesh, came to this world, and we'll celebrate that in not too many weeks from now. And 
lived on this earth, died on a cross for your sins and my sins, made atonement for the sins of the whole world, and then on the third day, just to show the devil and just to prove to you and me and everybody else that he is who he says he is, on the third day, he rose up from the grave because death could not hold heaven's king. The gospel is a generous gospel. Matter of fact, Paul would say it was the gift of the gospel that persuaded him to change the entire course of his life. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7, he said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. In the same way, the indwelling of of God that overrides our old sinful nature in Acts 2.38 is said to be the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when God wants to initiate and change society, he doesn't do it like ISIS with sheer force and brutality. Oh, no. He dispenses love in the form of spiritual gifts, and he changes individuals and entire societies through calculated and sometimes astonishing measures of generosity. See, generosity is not just about the checkbook. It's about your time. It's about using your talents And it's about using your resources for the kingdom of God and to help others in life. The the three, God and the gospel and generosity, man, they are distinctly woven together. You cannot pull one out without destroying the whole fabric of 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 his love. The Bible says that God abundantly gives. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He gives life, but he doesn't just give life to skip by. He gives abundant life. The truth of Jesus' life and death and resurrection for us is not intended to be a mental platitude. It's not something for us to go around saying, oh, I believe in a generous God. God wants us to be a generous people that reflect his generous heart. Now, Generosity and serving and volunteerism is, is all the rage. I mean, everybody's throwing money at something and giving something or doing something on behalf of something, whether they're church folk or, or non-church folk. I, I'm just simply say, telling you that when the believers do it, as an individual believer or collective in a life group or collectively as a church, when we do something, what shines through is not us, but it is God's love for us and for the entire world. And that's what he wants generosity to do. Because we live in a kind of a miserly world, don't we? Tim Keller wrote it this way. He said, it's one thing to understand the gospel, but it's quite another thing to experience the gospel in such a way that it fundamentally changes us and becomes the source of our identity and security. It is one thing to grasp the essence of the gospel, but quite another to think, of its, to think out its implications for all of our life. The gospel should penetrate our hearts and shape our daily thoughts and penetrate our daily routine. It, it frees us to live an entirely new kind of life, to put on a new self and to bask in the kingdom of God. It is grace-filled, it is love-filled, and it is generously given by God in heaven. It is so saturated with his forgiveness that he forgives every one of your sins. Now tell me 
that's not generous. When God determined to set the gospel in motion, he, he did it more than a hand. He did, it more, he did more than to hand us an impersonal gift, a disconnected rule. Matter of fact, when he set the gospel in motion, Jesus Christ himself, the second person of the Trinity, wrapped himself up in human flesh and blood and muscles and tendons and skin. And became like us so he could die for us on a cross so that through his shed blood we might have freedom and remission and forgiveness from all of our sins. And of all of the things that God wants you to have, he wants you to have a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. At the heart of his generosity to the world and, and the sun and the moon and the stars and creation and all that's out there. Through, through the blessings of God in your life, in your home, in your family, the greatest thing he wants you to know is his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. That's Jesus Christ, his eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. He generously loves you. He generously longs to forgive you. Jesus generously gave his life and died on the cross for you so that you might experience his generous love, his relentless love to you. But maybe you haven't received that gift yet. Maybe you're not giving Christ your heart yet. So we're just going to stop right here in the middle of everything. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And for the next few moments, let's just, church, let's just pray for those who need to know Christ as their Savior and accept him. And if you've never experienced this love of God. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross of Calvary. If you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I invite you into my heart. And I'm telling you what, you, you'll, you'll experience his generous forgiveness as he washes your sins away. You'll experience his generous love as he welcomes you into the family of God. For the wages of sin, that's death, but the gift, the gift the free, generous gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So right where you are, would you just maybe, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you just pray this prayer? Dear Jesus, I know you're a good God. And you, sent your, you, you came to die for my sins. So forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. And from this day forward, I, don't want, I will live for you. So with no one looking around but me, 
would you just, if you pray that prayer, giving Jesus Christ your heart, because you realize how he's got this generous love and generous grace, and, and you want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, and you prayed that prayer just now, would you just raise your hand? Anyone? God bless you. Thank you so much. You just raise it. You put your hand right back down. A generous God. And that is awesome. And God's people say, amen. amen and amen. So God, we thank you for salvation that has been received, grace that has been accepted, forgiveness that has just taken place and washed all sin away. Oh, man, what a good God you are. What a generous God you are to love us that unselfishly. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. Now I want to talk to the church. All right? Because not only is God a generous God, not only is the gospel a generous gospel, but his church is to be a generous church. Now let's make sure we understand that the church is not this building. All right? Touch somebody beside you. Just go ahead. Hit them upside the head if you need to, but just touch somebody behind, beside you. All right? You just touch church. Church is not buildings. Church is flesh and blood. Church is not you know, property, but it, it's us. And whether it's small groups, whether it's individually, whether it's collectively as a body of Christ, man, we are to be a generous church. And we're going to look at two passages that come from at different ends of the, of the spectrum here. One text will draw our attention to a wealthy situation. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 and 19. Paul had just dealt with those uh, who did not possess wealth, and now he's dealing with those who do. And Timothy's a young preacher, and so he's instructing Timothy on this whole wealth thing. Now, by the way, you may not feel like you're wealthy right now in the moment, but compared to the rest of the world, well, you know where I'm going with that. We're, we're pretty, we're doing all right, all right? So Paul told Timothy to command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in what? And we just sang that song, our hope's in who? Jesus, we sang that this morning. And so don't be arrogant and put your, your trust in your bank account, your stock portfolios or whatever else, your 401ks, your Roth IRA, whatever you got. He said, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, some of you need to underline that line because your theology of God is he don't want you to enjoy anything. He saves you to be miserable. No, he does not. I'm telling you, as you live in life uh, in Christ Jesus, man, he says he wants you to enjoy life. But you can have all the money in the world, Howard Hughes, and die miserably alone. And you can have nothing and be so full of wealth because of the lives that you've touched and helped along the way. 
Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age. This is not you work for salvation. All right, salvation is by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2. He is not telling us we are working our way to heaven. He's just simply saying that the world will see that this is an expression of our faith because a generous heart flows out of a generous love to a generous God. And the church is to be a generous people. All right? But I love that last phrase in verse 19, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He said, listen, if you want to know how to live, it doesn't come with the amount set in your, in your stocks and your bonds and all the gadgets and gizmos and boats and RVs and everything else that you might have stored or way or, or still sitting in your driveway. If you want to know how to truly live life, then you have to have a connection to the giver of life who generously offered himself as the propitiation, the advocate, the, the atonement for the sins of the world, and we're to follow his example. Somebody once said, you know, I, I don't, let's see, I'm going to mess it up. I don't work to live. I don't live to work. I work to live. Can we make it a little bit more biblical? I don't work to live. I work to give. Generosity. That you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, so many of us just play the game and he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you the real deal. You follow me and, and I will show you how to truly live life. Well, if you look at this front in the middle of verse 17 and going on to verse 18, he gives four just very simple commands to do good. You don't have to explain that in any language. You know what that means. Do good deeds. That's the attitude or the action that, provo- that promotes the, the action of doing good deeds. Be generous. Be generous. Go through life with an open hand so God can put blessings in your hand and then when need be, take them from your hand and give them to somebody else. Be generous and be willing to share, verse 19. Be willing to share. And it's incredible that he says, if you can embed these truths into your life, God promises that you'll take hold of a life that is truly living. You say, I wish had, I had wealth to embed those truths in my life. Don't worry, the same Apostle Paul has some words for you. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul wrote to Timothy about, because that, that, church, was a, that church that he was going to minister to was a little wealthier. Now Paul is the recipient of gifts from a Macedonian church. If you were to start at 2 Corinthians at verse 1, you would find... Their status, they were suffering severe afflictions, they lived in extreme poverty, but they had an abundance of joy, and they had relentless generosity. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, they had nothing. How can you be generous when you have nothing? Because relentless generosity is not an amount, it's an attitude. By the way, that is the first time I've said the word amount. I've not said, I've mentioned once, money. Because a lot of us think, well, it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. 
No, it isn't. You have time and you have talent, you have giftedness, you have abilities that you can freely and generously give in the kingdom of God. And so this was a poor church who didn't have anything. And I'm telling you, generosity is not an amount, but it's an attitude. You can give a lot, but begrudgingly give it. And man, I'm telling you, there's no blessing in it for you. Or you can just give a buck in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to bless you for your faithfulness. Why? It has everything to do with attitude. If somebody this morning, and by the way, we would take it. I'm just telling you. If somebody this morning would say, hey, pastor, here's a check for a million dollars. Do you want it? For the church, we would all say, amen. you all may say amen. I would go, woo! <laughs> but if God was prompting him to give five million instead of the one million or give it to her to give the five million and the one million, well, even though they looked generous in our eyes, they weren't obedient. But if somebody, and they did this over and over when we were doing our building program and we had monthly pledges and there were certain ladies on fixed income and every month they would tell me, Pastor Mike, I would love to give more, but this is all I can give. And I'm telling you, their $10, $15, or $20 a month was much more generous than the $1 million. We, and, you, know, you know, it's kind of a hypothetical situation, but you understand what I'm saying. It's about your attitude. Remember the parable Jesus told? There was this guy who gave a big lot of money because back in those days, the offering plates or where you gave your offering was on the outside wall of the temple and you would just drop it in as you go in. They didn't pass the bucket, you know, like we do now. And so they put them on the outside and people would, and so there's this one guy who stood there and he made this big spectacle and seeing about how much he was giving to God. And people were gathered around and they were probably going, Oh, that's incredible. Oh, buddy, that's awesome. That's amazing. He's going, Thank you. Thank you. Why, thank you. And around the corner at another place outside the temple, there's this poor widow woman. Gave two mites. It's not even a penny. And she cried. The Bible says she lamented because she could not give more. And Jesus asked the question, basically, who was the most generous? If you tie it entirely to a dollar amount, it would be this guy over here. But generosity is not about the amount. It's about the attitude. And he said that she gave more than, than all. Being a generous church. Being a generous church. By the way, if you look at verse 3, they gave according to their means. And then it says they even went on their means. Verses 4 and 5 show that they saw a need and they begged God or begged Paul to allow them to be a part of what God was doing. Basically what was happening was that the Macedonian churches were poorer than the churches that, that Paul was going to help. And he, they still wanted to give to Paul's work, even though their churches were poor, and then the churches that Paul was going to help. What were they doing? They understood relentless generosity. 
Now let's go back to the slide. If you can, just back it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He's not talking about the Benjamins. He's talking about being rich in love. Rich in grace, rich in forgiveness of sin, rich in hope, rich in joy, rich in, in uh, transformational living that wants to help others know Jesus Christ, rich in living out your faith so that all could see. There's, I'm telling you, it is not about the amount, but it has everything to do with the attitude. They got it. They got it. There was a missionary in Hong Kong. Who felt led to start a Christian camp. This is a true story. The missionary's name was John. And I hope I say his last name right. Bechtel. B-E-C-H-T-E-L. He started to look for property around Hong Kong. And there's not a lot. It's just this tiny little island thing. And anyway, he eventually found a bankrupt multi-million dollar hotel and conference center that was for sale. He made an offer to purchase the property, and he traveled extensively in Hong Kong, trying to make connections and even writing back home to, the, to his uh, friends back home. Would they donate money? Would they give? Would they do? And, and no one responded. I mean, no one responded except a little girl. He got a letter from a young girl that included $1. And the note just said she wanted him to use it to buy the camp. $1. So he went into that bank proceedings, not with a multi-million dollar offer, not even with $100,000. He went into that bank meeting with $1. And he told them what they want, he wanted to do. And he put the $1 down on the table. And he said, I'll buy it from you for $1. I'm sure that mom told that little girl, I'm, I don't know. I would imagine the mom said, that's, that's sweet, sweetheart. Send your dollar. And never thought that because he had that one dollar, the bank accepted his offer. He bought this multi-million dollar property in Hong Kong for one dollar, opened up a camp, got everything fixed up, and, and since the camp first opened, over a million people have come through it, and over a hundred thousand people have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. It's about the attitude. The simple truth is, is that God is a generous God, and the gospel is a generous gospel, and the church is to be a generous church, and Christians are to display a generous heart. Amen? Amen. What I'd like to do is take about seven minutes. I apologize for drinking so much. I am not feeling up to snuff and the medication I take just makes my mouth really dry and it's like I'm just sucking on cotton up here. Let me, let me tell you some things 
upcoming between now and the new year that you can be generous in, okay? Things that you can be generous in. For example, this weekend, Relentless is going to be here at the church. It's a weightlifting event. People will come from all over the country. It's hosted by our church, driven by Tommy Westhoff and his life group. They'll be raising money for families of children who are facing terminal illness. The potential here is to raise, I'm telling you, this is a staggering number, but I love it. And, uh, and they think that they could get real close to $200,000 this year. So on your way out, buy a T-shirt. You say, Pastor, I don't need a T-shirt. Then give the T-shirt to a teenager. Just support it. Live generously. November the 22nd, there's a Thanksgiving dinner giveaway. Ronnie Eversaw and a host of others. I saw the volunteer list. I'm just absolutely thrilled. We'll be passing out Thanksgiving dinners to needy families in our area. And so you see Ronnie after church. And uh, you can either make a donation or you can be here to help assemble and disperse the dinners, and, uh, and Ronnie will be available today. Uh, December 5th and 6th, there's an Appalachia trip. Uh, we, we go into the poorest counties of Appalachia. This year they're going into Logan County. And a team of volunteers will partner with the church there to bring a bit of Christmas to that area. We take food, clothes, toys, and, um, and more, and, and construction guys go and do repairs on the church. Or do work in that community, send Kim and Kim, see Kim and Jane Holcomb at their table for more information. December the 13th is Christmas at the men's homeless shelter. And every second Saturday night from September to June during the school months, our fifth and sixth graders go down to the men's mission and uh, they, they serve and they feed the men a hot dinner after the gospel is sung and presented to them. And so this year they want to, just like last year, they want to get socks and underwear and T-shirts and hat and gloves. So when you're shopping for groceries, just buy a pair of large and and buy an extra pair and buy some gloves and just keep it in a, a box until and then give it to them and they'll wrap it up and they'll have Christmas down there. And the men are so appreciative. December the 14th is our birthday offering for Jesus. We've done this. I think every year that I've been here, except for probably the first one. And where there's just going to be two services. Tot Spot will be open, but no children's church, no morning life groups, and just a 9.30. And, and we're going to take the offering, but it's a little different offering. Uh, we're going to have four mangers around the front. And instead of us passing the offering plate, we want you to present your offering to the king. And since it's Jesus' birthday... We encourage you as families to publicly talk about this around the table, about what are you going to give Jesus. And we simply just encourage you that the best gift you give to somebody else over Christmas, then give that same amount to Jesus, you know, through the, through the church here. And, uh, and God will just bless you for it. And we've just had some incredible offerings on that day. It is really one of the coolest things and, and coolest services uh, that you're in the entire year. It does. It's one thing to put your offering in when the plate goes around, but man, it is just something different to walk down and drop it in there to see little children come and putting their change in, families praying together, and and it's just a, a great experience. Um, another place you could give will be to uh, Joe and Carrie Hutchison. Joe's one of our own, and. Uh, He's a missionary down at the Keystone Project in Houston, Texas. And, and it, it is a, I mean, I'm telling you, it is low income. And they're down there working with the Asian community. And they're down there uh, 
living out in the love of Jesus Christ. And that is certainly well worth your, your love and support. And you can support them by simply just putting it in a tithing envelope and writing Joe or Texas or Hutch, um, Bill and Ann's kids, if you can't remember that, all right? And so support them monthly, and I would encourage you to do that. And then Wounded Hearts, I also would encourage you to, to give to Jeff and Beth and their ministry. I'm telling you, they do an awesome work, and they do an awesome and it's just another place where your generosity can bless others and you give to them and they'll, they'll, it'll be used to help others who are hurting and going through tremendous pain. And if you would like to adopt a child over where we go in Uganda, we're forging a relationship and ministry partnership with the Canaan Children's Home in Jinja, Uganda. And um, it, it works just like World Vision except, except when people go from Kirby Church that they can actually see your child and play with your child and take gifts, you know, to your child and, and a letter back from you. And it's just this wonderful thing and, and it's just this wonderful privilege uh, to be about that. And if you would like to do something like that, I would encourage you to see Joe Hutchison. See, as you can see, there's, uh, I'm not Joe Hutchison, Joe Wilson, all right? Pastor Joe Wilson. As you can see, there's plenty of places for you to use your time and your talent and your resources. The truths are simple. God is a generous God. The gospel is a generous gospel. And the church is to be a generous church. And Christians are to display a generous heart. And together, it will make a generous impact for the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, may we live generously simply because you are a generous God. In Jesus' name.